Schäferhofer. Schäferhofer. Schäferhofer, Hefeweizen, Grapefruit, Bier. 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 Schafferhofer, Hefeweizen, Grapefruit, Beer. Welcome to Cold Cans, folks. We're drinking Schafferhofer, Hefeweizen, Grapefruit, Beer. Heard of it? It's a nice, tasty, uh, tasty little beer here. Yeah. It's it's meant to be like a summer ale. I'm sure yeah. people have seen like, Schafferhofer in, oh, for, in certainly. stores. The orange can. And just to make sure. Schafferhofer, <laughs> okay, well, I think we've got it. Uh, yeah, I've, the big, tall, orange, 16-ounce cans of Schäferhofa Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. It's 2.5% alcohol. <laughs> Putting me in my ass. One <laughs> silo, and I'm falling out of, my, out of the booth at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it gives you a little bit of a, a mimosa taste to it. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's definitely got that to it. So they, they're self-proclaimed the world's first Hefeweizen grapefruit beer. Best surf cold, perfect casual brew to cool you off during the summer, but it can be enjoyed all all year round. Don't think that you can't buy our <laughs> buy product yes. in the fall yes. or the winter. Year-round availability, and you should also buy it year-round. <laughs> Keep it on store, put it in the cellar, bring it out time, summertime. It's a true 50-50 blend of total refreshment made from 50% Schaffehufe Hefeweizen and 50% carbonated juice. So does that mean that there is, and I just don't know, about a Schaffehufe just the Hef? They don't, do they have something that is standalone, the Hefeweizen? I don't know. I've never seen it in a store. I've never seen it. Their website certainly does not seem to indicate I that I think it they exists. know the market, at least in America, that they want to attack, which is the people that are looking for a, essentially a mimosa in a can. I like it. I, I love mimosas. I'm a mimosa man. <sighs> I, any, any beer with like a, a citrusy ting to it. Yeah, I'm on board there. Like the, I can't let you just say you're a mimosa man. And not analyze it further. <laughs> so whenever it's the debate between a Bloody Mary and a mimosa, you're always mimosa man, well, regardless? I have the easy answer of I can't stand tomato juice. So okay, a Bloody Mary sure. is just kind of out on me. I've tried on multiple occasions, and the Bloody Marys are doing the thing where they have, like, the the pickle sphere and the, the beef jerky and the dead and the baby. Cheeseburger. And the yeah. cheeseburger. <laughs> you, went, you went to the 13th level we before I it. got to the yeah, third level there. But... I, that always intrigues me when I see somebody ordering that at a bar in Las Vegas or something. Right? But I, yeah. I don't like. It can't the taste. even stand under its own weight. Yeah. It's collapsing. But uh, I gravitate towards the mimosa, which is ten, tends to be overpriced unless you're getting some sort of right. unlimited happy hour special <laughs> or a day drinking primer. Yeah. Uh, the best way to start off the day: unlimited mimosas. Unlimited. You're going to have a productive Sunday. <laughs> yeah. You're hungover till Thursday, but. <laughs> But uh, this beer approximates that feeling pretty well. I I really dig it. It's it is two point five percent alcohol, and it's only half. It doesn't beer. taste alcoholic at all. Yeah. It also doesn't have. I guess maybe this is the genius behind it. It doesn't have like that grapefruit bitterness to it because it's contrasted or not contrasted and because there's with forty grams of sugar. The beer because <laughs> they load this fucking thing with sugar. Our old friends at Beer Advocate. Uh, 
I would think would shit all over this basically half beer, right. but they give the BA score of this one as 80. Good. I think the fact that it's from Germany probably plays a little bit into that. Like they won't poorly write a German beer. Yeah, I guess. they're funded by Angela Merkel. <laughs> it goes deep into <laughs> Angela Merkel's pocket. Oh, no, Jesse Ventura's back. <laughs> He's back. But, like, even the, the, the beer bros of Beer Advocates seem to enjoy this beer. Um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with them. I'm just, like, kind yeah. of shocked that people who really appreciate the intricacies of beer I like I think this. knowing what it is and what it's supposed to be is what it's all about. Like, you're out. And summer on a summer day, hot summer day, you're outside and you have one of these, and it's nice and right. refreshing. And actually, the shufahufa.us um, website Shufahufa. has a a portion to it that is so they have four sections on their website. What's happening? This is like a, just their social media. <laughs> That's how German guys try to talk to yeah, Americans. The, what's happening? What's happening? Hey, what's happening? Shufahufa. Uh, the product Good German itself, accent there. thank you, it's the best I can do. The product itself, where can I get it, which is kind of strange. Sh- find a Shefahufa grapefruit near me, kind of anywhere is the answer. But then they have a section of their website called Rooftop, which is just apparently to find rooftop bars near you. That said, uh, accessing oh, really? it appears to just be New York City. So oh. not so really So they're implying, there. I guess, that this is a great to have that's outside. what i was trying to say yeah, is, yeah gotcha. it's a summer beer you this is what you should order when if you're on a rooftop with your buddies also on their homepage, uh it says chef of grapefruit a proud partner of the movie snatched in theaters may 12th <laughs> <laughs> why is that a branding well, yeah why did they partner i have and no what is idea the movie snatch so the movie snatched? that's coming out yes snatched. okay i'll read i'll read you the synopsis okay after her boyfriend dumps her on the eve of their exotic vacation, oh, impetuous, impetuous dreamer Emily Middleton, Amy Schumer, persuades oh. her cautious mom, Linda Goldie Hawn, to travel with her to paradise. Polar opposites, Emily and Linda soon realize that working through their differences as mother and daughter is the uh-huh. only way to escape the wildly outrageous jungle adventure that they have fallen into. Oh, so the boyfriend left and it, she's bringing mom along yep. as a replacement. Yep. And... <laughs> wild and crazy uh exploits ensue i bet it's i don't know it's probably pretty funny yeah amy schumer that that perked my ears up i thought you were going to tell me some nobody and that's why chef hufa is yeah or like kevin james this is the (laughs) remake of a hitch and they call it snatched Snatched. now he has to (laughs) teach a woman how to love and like how to date and stuff it's kevin james hitch to snatched because kevin james has become the master because he, yeah, he was the schlub who Will Smith taught how to date. That's, oh, so he's the Will Smith now yeah, of yeah. this movie. He's the master. And then who's the, is it like Melissa McCarthy or somebody who's <laughs> bumbling into the, the Why not film? Amy Schumer? Just Amy Schumer. Oh, sure, Amy Schumer. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, hey, Coming make soon this Hollywood. Near you, and I yeah. bet Shufa would get behind Sponsor you. It. I want to know how that came about. Probably uh, partnering of with Snatch <laughs> in theaters May 12th. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it that that is strange. In a maybe, oh, that also means that they're definitely going to just do product placement in the film. Oh, for sure, because the, the yeah, they'll be in a where it's a exotic location, drinking grapefruit drink beer, Chef Ahofa. This is very drinkable. It's ultra drinkable. We bought a four pack of Tall Boys, um, and I think I could drink every one of them on my own. Yeah, I mean they were ten bucks for a four pack, <laughs> but colored with beta carotene. I don't know why we need to put that that in the front of the can. 
Well, beta carotene is supposed to like be good for your eyes, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, so that I is. I think an, that's what's in carrots. So that's in a. You just saying that because it's. Carotene? I'm a health nut. No, no, I th- I literally think that's what's in carrots. Let me. No, I. Uh, I don't use play on words when health is involved, Joe. Okay, I understand. It, I just thought beta carotene is an organic, thing. strongly colored red orange pigment abundant in plants and fruits. It is a member of the carotenes, which are okay. That's enough of that. I think you're full of shit about. The but there's a thing. picture of of carrots on the page. Let me. Find carrots. Yes. Um, it is rich in root vegetables such as carrots and sweet potatoes. Okay. Fair um, enough. And then let me see if I can verify the eye health claim. Well, well, if it's rich in carrots, that I can at least attest to. I believe carrots are good for your eyeballs. Everybody's mother taught them that growing up. So that also by proxy means that shufa is best for your eyesight. Hmm. Drink enough of these. No doubt. Drink as many cold cans. You'll as you start can get down. to see two, but then it'll come back to one again. <laughs> it'll be it it'll be the most crystal clear double vision you've <laughs> ever had in your <laughs> life. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, so a little bit of backstory about Schaffehufe beer. Um, it's named after it's so it's a brand of German wheat beer. We talked about that. It's named for the former house of Peter Schaffe. The house was called the Menzier Schaffehuf, in which a brewery was founded, but. Peter Schaeffer has a very interesting story. So this is a guy who, born in 1425, dies in 1503. He was an early German printer who studied in Paris and worked as a manuscript copyist in 1451 before apprenticing with Johannes Gutenberg, inventor of of the printing press, and joining Johann Faust, a goldsmith, a lawyer, and moneylender. So he, he apprenticed with Gutenberg. He I don't know. looks like he has some famous works. He obviously helped with Gutenberg's uh, um, reproduction of the Bible. And, yeah, he just kind of had this seemingly innocuous sort of professional, actually, you know, doing well for himself and leaving behind a, a, a proud house. But what happens is, in according to the New York Times, in her 2014 novel, Gutenberg's Apprentice, Author Alex Christie addresses the issues of intellectual property theft relating to Schufa and Gutenberg. So she says that um, the success of what Gutenberg apparently accomplished actually lied heavily with the 25-year-old apprentice, Peter Schufa. So Peter Schufa was working as a scribe in Paris until his foster father, a financial backer of Gutenberg, calls him home, says, be this apprentice. Um... And basically, Christie depicts the vainglorious Gutenberg as full of caprice, willing to print anything, doggerel prophecy, letters of indulgence, in pursuit of a fast buck. Schufer, in turn, is the wonderkind in her book, who endures his master's abuse and creates, essentially, the letter forms that give the Gutenberg Bible its central artistry and what basically make this thing what it is. And um, Gutenberg was actually just out for the the recognition. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone's got to pay the bills. I'm Team Gutenberg here. Fair enough. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> the, he was Another the Steve Jobs of, of the, the printing press world. Yeah. No, that is an interesting background. And then th- this beer was just named after him because he was his, famous. his house. Yeah, basically. Okay. He was influential enough because he was his apprentice. But I guess it, it, it starts to make you think about the merits of intellectual property. Right. And even the fact of, like, back then, the apprentice-master uh, relationship, a lot of it was this. They say, like, a lot of famous artists totally. and painters, like, their apprentices were doing much of the work eventually. 
they obviously like you know made the certain style that is associated with them right but then eventually yeah apprentices were just replicating their works doing and, the heavy lifting right which <clears throat> it begs the the question like there's certainly value in the artist coming up with the style and the framework for the apprentice to create what they're creating um but there's mm-hmm. also a, an entire question of whether intellectual property at all is is valid. So we were right, kind of discussing copyright, this. Yeah, and we we're discussing like what essentially a um, what the copyright or what patents were created for in the first place. And the idea behind the patent is that I make the gizmo widget and I spend two years making it. And that two years is a startup cost that you shouldn't just steal from me once I make said gizmo widget. So the the idea behind a patent is to protect that startup cost. But obviously that creates this whole economy of patent trolls and mm-hmm. people that are abusing the what is essentially can be an ambiguous law of patents. Yeah, so one of the more famous offenders of these laws is Disney, who's been behind a lot of the efforts to extend copyright um, for right. for uh, corporate works and things like that. Um, reading here is back in 1984 that their uh, patent over Mickey Mouse was set to expire, and that's when they began copywriting or they began lobbying, sorry, heavily for changes to the Copyright Act. Um, and then in 1976, there was an overhaul, uh, pushed the extension out to 2003, um, and then after that, there was only five years left on. So this is 1998, the the famous Sonny Bono uh, Copyright Term Extension Act is mm-hmm. how it's, what it's known as, uh, pushed the copyright out to 2023. So they're in a race now, I guess, to extend it even further so they can keep... In perpetuity. Right. But keep see, making money off of Mickey Mouse. So. This extension is the exactly the problem, right? The, mm-hmm. the whole point of the protection was the startup cost. Disney has reaped the rewards of this brand and this startup cost. Yeah. At what point does it become public domain? I know what point it legally becomes public domain, but actually, like, value-wise, this seems like another abuse. And this is kind of this this whole notion of, like, the remix culture, which is just that um, derivative works aren't aren't bad. Everything is derivative. Mm-hmm. We Man created fire, and then we went from there, that kind of thing. Like, there's nothing that is truly 100% original and inspired, and that doesn't have to be. We're all building on the shoulders of what came before us. Right. And we bring our own influences and original ideas too into these new existing things. Like a lot of things, like there's the famous story of Steve Jobs going into the Xerox copy or Xerox headquarters back in the day, seeing all the stuff they were working on, taking it out and then making it at his own company at Apple. Yeah. Because Xerox didn't really know what they had. They didn't know how to like turn it into something like Steve Jobs did. Would anyone have just been able to walk in there, see the stuff, and go do what Steve Jobs did? No. No, Arguably he brought not. something to exactly. it. Exactly. And that, that's in his quote, eventually, good artists copy, great artists steal, mm-hmm. reflects like exactly what he was thinking, which yep. is that everything is by nature derivative. It doesn't have to have a negative connotation to it. Right. And in Disney's case, they're, I mean, they didn't invent a cartoon mouse, obviously, the, like the only cartoon mouse. They just popularized it, they made monetized it, iconic. it. Right. And made it iconic. And- at this point, they just keep extending the copyright or trying to because the the brand is still that valuable that other people, right, because they've been protected in it. It's kind of a weird system where as long as you keep pushing it out, then they have more and more incentive to keep pushing it out even further and further and further, and it will never come into the public domain. Right. At that point, why not make it indefinite? Is there right. is somebody profiting off of the act of pushing it out, which is all inefficient? Yeah, yeah. And 
they're probably all in on the song and dance, like congressmen and like lawyers and stuff. Like they won't get another job if they put it out in perpetuity. So they'll yeah, right. let's do thirty years and then come back to this later. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah we'll come back to that. But the, it's not coming back to it. It's come back to just do the logical next step. Yeah, Keep it's not advancing it. anybody. No, and Disney's notoriously aggressive about protecting their copyright too. I remember a story of a of a daycare somewhere who like one of the teachers like was a really good artist and painted like some Disney characters on the wall and Disney famously got them oh, uh, a cease and desist to paint over it so yeah. they couldn't have it. If we're not making a buck right for for these kids eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, we can't have that's a great recruiting tool for new babies at this daycare. Yeah. We can't be not getting a slice of that pie. It's exactly what it is, too. But it also is a great recruiting tool. I know. If kids see Mickey Mouse, they're going to go watch a Disney movie. <laughs> I guess slippery slope argument is yeah. what they would use there. Like, we let them do that. This daycare is profiting stop? off our likeness. <laughs> exactly. It's Where malicious. does it stop? Yeah. yeah. When will it end? By the way, still a wheat beer. Wheat beer gives me with a little burpees, a little bit of the burpees. So <laughs> I do love uh, the taste of this and how easily it goes down over a, a sunny rooftop, perhaps discussing intellectual property with mm. your friends. Mm. But um, still, kind of always gonna yeah. have that personal knock. On it. And it's very sweet too. I take back what I said about finishing four tall boys of this yeah, in one day. That might knock you over. It's not efficient either. The two point five percent alcohol, you know, it's no. not going to get the job done real quick. It, yeah, and if you're at all trying to watch your figure, this is just <laughs> half calories. You might as well be drinking Monster Energy drinks. <laughs> yeah, take yeah. a couple sips of Bud Light on the side. Ugh. So I guess does that lead us into the point of the show as we finish this cold can, where we think about ranking this son of a bitch. All right. Oh, gave us the E-tag. I think that might have been the first time I saw it. I don't remember. No, you said fucker earlier. Oh, damn it. Now I just said it. <laughs> um, so, so far, just to give you the quick rundown, I think we still are in critical mass. I can give the quick rundown. Kona Longboard, Crikey IPA, Rainier, Einger Brewice. Einger. Einger Brewice. Einger. Einger Brewice. Uh, Rolling Rock, Molson, Miller Lite, Olympia, Smirnoff Ice. So where does... Where does our Shefahufa fit in? Um, I'm going to put it above uh, Molson for sure on that list. So five, five yeah. from the bottom. It's what do not, you think? It's better than Molson. It's better than Miller Lite, Olympia, and Smirnoff. Is it better than Rolling Rock? So Rolling Rock was our uh, conspiracy theory episode. Mm-hmm. Rolling Rock does have an interesting history. So does this. Those They're kind of tied there in terms of like... How interested I am in the backstory of each of these beers. Totally. Rolling Rock, just the mysterious number 33. Um, and then our Shafahufa's uh, intellectual property problems. So what do I enjoy drinking more? I guess if I'm at a bar, I'm ordering a Rolling Rock over a Shafahufa. Okay. But I do love the Think, culture around the rooftop yeah. atmosphere, hanging out with your buddies, but I can't. Another it's, important part of the history of Shafahufa is... You and I both had a friend in college who would bring this to many events. Hey, our buddy Andrew. Be the only one drinking it, this mm-hmm. weird grapefruit beer that's 2.5% alcohol. Often warm as well sure, yeah. and intended to be served cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out in the baking sun with a hot beer. Yeah. Nothing better. No, that's true. It brings back good memories. Um, but I can't get over the fact that there seems to be about a pound of sugar 
And similar to the Smirnoff Ice episode, I have a good half-inch thick layer of sugar I can feel on my tongue right now. Yeah, it's almost like you're drinking like uh, a high C or something. Yeah. It's, that's what it's like. Well, it like. is half juice, so yeah. it is kind of what it's like. <laughs> so I guess for me, it's Rolling Rock is ahead of uh, Shafahufa, but not Molson. I'm okay with that. Rolling Rock's more... more uh palatable in different situations you could drink it on many more occasions i would still drink a rolling rock on like a rooftop because it's not like a heavy unenjoyable beer right that's the beauty of a rolling rock is it's multi-purpose nature mm-hmm. of it you can kind of have it anywhere uh a chef Hufa, you pretty much have to be on a rooftop or in college and trying to make a point and uh drinking it warm <laughs> yeah so it sounds like uh our new number six beer in our rankings is chef Hufa. Uh, that feels about right at this point. Sure. So ahead of it is Rolling Rock, Iyengar, Rainier, Crikey IPA, Kona Longbore. Okay. I feels right. extremely comfortable with that. Um, our lawyers, by the way, did advise us uh, to warn our listeners that Sufjan Stevens has given us uh, no rights to <laughs> the song, the, Ma- the Man of Metropolis Steals Our Hearts. Yet, you know what? It's the remix culture, baby. Derivatives. The Cold Guns podcast is recorded at the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington. The Cold Cans podcast is recorded in the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington. Visit cloudstudioseattle.com 